Hi, I'm John Morgo, one of the last three guys to a podcast. We've switched our platform to Anchor. Why? Well, there's a couple of reasons. It's free. They'll help you produce and record your podcast. They'll also help distribute it, get you on Spotify, iTunes, and all the rest. And you can make money from it, even without any listeners. It really is a great deal. So join us. Download the software at anchor.fm and click to get started. And and be with us, the last three guys do a podcast on Anchor. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, where and when you may be listening to us in this great wide world brought again by the internet. Last three guys do a podcast coming at you live from our other satellite studio, my kitchen and my living room area. I'm John Morgo alongside Daniel Bolton, Leon Brown. Again, we're going to talk a lot of college football in this episode. Uh, we'll get into the Reinhardt Kennesaw State game a little later, but right now we've got Ben Moore from 247 Sports on right now, and he's going to talk about the Georgia State Army game. Of course, we'll talk about a, a couple of other things going on. Uh, ben, Georgia State hosted an Army squad and pretty much got rolled over by by them. It was a uh, you know, they only scored 13 points in that matchup. Uh, I know Sean Elliott's disappointed, but what what positives do you take out of that game? Yeah, it's it's very few to be honest. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, it, it, you know, it was it was kind of interesting. It took probably I'd say out of his post game press conference, um, you know, several things to look at. You know, I think the performance certainly of wide receiver Jamari Thrash. I know it was highlighted in his post game press conference. Um, you know that the, the you know, made field goals, an extra point from Noel Ruiz, uh, the all-send belt kicker. Um, not, not much else positive, to be honest. And, and there was a word that Coach Elliott uses, uh, you know, to almost start the press conference that he was embarrassed. That was a pretty good word. Um, Sorry about that. Or embarrassed. If you look at the uh, people in Vegas, you know, they had it basically being a two-point spread. And, um, you know, it that the margin was almost 30. So um, it, it, it is pretty embarrassing. And, and unfortunately, Georgia State fans have seen this movie before. Rushing, it was the rushing defense that pretty much got in the way of uh, of Georgia State's hopes. Army gushed them for two hundred, gashed them for about two hundred sixty eight yards. They really didn't do much through the air. Only made three receptions, but when you can rush for two hundred fifty eight yards, and that you really you really don't need to lean on your offense that much. Well, I'll be honest. I, I will say you know, the Georgia State actual yards per play. They, they gave up less than four yards per play to Army. Uh, on the ground, which is exceptional run defense. The problem is, um, obviously, as you mentioned, um, you're, you're getting it, you're seeing it basically 50-plus times because that's Army's offense, and they bleed the clock out. The, the biggest issue, ultimately, for Georgia State was the turnovers. Mm-hmm. Fourth play of the game was a fumble. Um, you know, when, when the Panthers actually got the ball back right before halftime, 21-7, to um, you know, two just really boneheaded mistakes in a row. Um, you know, you have the fire turner uh, field the punt uh, inside, basically, his own five-yard line, um, which kind of a cardinal rule for power returners basically is to set your heels on the 10-yard line, and if the ball goes behind you, leave it alone. Yep. And um, that was compounded by the very next play. Uh, Quad Brown tried to uh, throw a quick speed out to uh, Cornelius McCoy, had a little bit of a miscommunication there, threw it short. Uh, credit the Army defender, great great interception there, but that just can't happen, and uh, not, not especially against a, an Army offense that was absolutely rolling. Uh, you know, Army coach Jeff Munkin went ahead and went for it on fourth and goal. And uh, I believe I tweeted out just before halftime, that was pretty much the knockout punch. Um, right. You just just saw it. Uh, Army's offense, they, they run that. Um, I've had it described almost as anesthesia when it comes to that triple option just because it does uh, kind of put you to sleep and lulls you in. Um, but, I, but I do want to give some credit. I know the scoreboard won't be indicative of it, but the defense actually did play play well considering how many times they were having to be on the field, uh, how many turnovers, um, those two, and then turn, multiple turnovers on downs. And that's, that's, I think, the most disappointing thing of, of what should be a very, very potent offense. It was uh, definitely stuck in neutral on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, 42 minutes on the time of possession for, the, for Army compared to just Almost 18 for Georgia State, and you said it right, Ben. the The way the Army rolls the ball, the way the Army handles things, they definitely took control of the game. They definitely dictated the play to Georgia State. Um, what what had been what had been practice looking like heading heading into this game? Has, has was there any kind of issues with the practicing? Does Sean Elliott happy with what he saw going into this one? He, he really was, and that's why I think he, you know, he and the staff seemed pretty surprised at the, uh, you know, just kind of complete meltdown. Really, after that first possession, you saw the offense almost go into panic mode 
um, you know, with there. And, and, and I won't, you know, it was brought up pregame, you know, I believe uh, college game day had it. There were six players out due to COVID-related issues. Um, and and um, you know, I would say probably four out of those six would be starting or playing significant reps. Um, it's, they, those were major personnel losses. Sam Pinkney, John Trey Hunter, Clay White, uh, Trey Moore, um, you know, uh, Josiah's Creedle, the transfer from UCF. All of these guys were expected to make an impact in the game yesterday. The Panthers were without those uh, individuals. But I think the most difficult part about it is, again, there was just no response. Army came out swinging um, and just landed punch after punch after punch. And, um, you know, Georgia State was really out tough yesterday. And I know Sean Elliott, that, that's the part that really bothers him the most is just getting completely outclassed, especially on your home turf. Well, Georgia State now has to play North Carolina. And, uh, I mean, coming in, that's a top-10 matchup. But North Carolina, they didn't look too good last week. So, I mean, what is what is Georgia State basically – they got to eliminate the stupid mistakes. But how much of the stupid mistakes can be accredited to, like, the this is the first game of the season? Yeah, I think that's a part of it, for sure. Um, I think the one thing that I would say, you know, we, we've seen – um, you know, honestly, the defense struggle the last two openers, you know, Louisiana Lafayette came in here last year. Uh, that was a, certainly a, a thrilling ball game to overtime, a 34, 31, uh, game there, uh, at center park stadium. And then of course, even the previous year, the, the upset went against Tennessee, you give up 30 points. So defensively had, it has been an issue, um, you know, to start the season. So you would expect some growth there from step one to step two, but, um, the style of offense is complete 180. You know, Sam Howell and North Carolina uh, are going to want to open the ball up. You're going to be facing a, a more traditional spread, um, you know, wide open, three wides. Um, I, I watched every single snap of that Virginia Tech-North Carolina game, and I, and I agree with you. They did not look impressive at all. Mac, Coach Mac Brown called them overrated. So that can kind of probably tell you how um, how their week of practice is going to go. Yeah, they're going to have um, a tough for, week. For this week. Yeah, they're going to be locked in and focused. And I think that's the toughest part for the Panthers is, you know, while they try to reassess and reset, um, so will North Carolina, um, and, and I believe North Carolina will be very, very good this year. I, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with Coach Brown that they're overrated. Um, I think Virginia Tech playing at home, uh, I've said for a long, long time, Lake Stadium is a special place in the evening, and that place was absolutely hyped up uh, to go, and, and you know they, they made the place to do it. So, um, you know, turnovers are, you know could be there. Uh, you know, certainly we know uh, we saw Sam Howe get pressured. That's going to be the game plan for the Panthers this weekend. And, and hopefully the the offense uh, gets on track. I don't I don't expect North Carolina to only score ten points this weekend. I, I will no, they're that. not. They're not. They are not going to do that. Absolutely not. We're on with Ben Moore from two four seven Sports talking about Georgia State's uh, loss to Army in their season opener yesterday at Center Park Stadium, forty four to ten. Ben, what was the crowd like? Uh, I know we've had a lot of COVID issues. Um, I know Georgia State has opened up their seating uh was the was the crowd as what they expected or was it more was it less what was that situation looking like yeah i think it was a solid crowd you know it's kind of interesting when you always especially in college football you know I, i've always been kind of a fan of that three thirty game slot you know time where you you have um, enough time in the morning you know for folks that you know want to engage in tailgating and you have folks um, that it's not necessarily a night game we obviously know night games are you know super popular here in the south yes uh, but but you know, a twelve oh five kickoff time is is a little bit difficult. I think that the the crowd was solid. Um, I think it will, uh, you know, probably, uh, you know, just depending on sort of what happens in the next couple of weeks, probably be the the high water mark for a bit uh, for crowds um, there at, at Center Park, just because you don't have as attractive uh, opponents to the average Joe and Jane fan. But um, you know, credit to Army as well. They they brought a, a good crowd as well with a lot of you know not only active duty. Uh, in, in the neighborhood reserves and, and army retirees, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and something that I was, you know, kind of interested in too. You know, there was quite a few Miami and Alabama fans walking around. <laughs> you know, they were, they They're making a double header of it. Double. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, that was pretty cool to see. And I think, you know, that's kind of the next evolution of this is being able to grab uh, not only the students' attention, not only the alums' attention, the fans' attention, but you know, that average Joe and Jane fan in the neighborhood, and, and you know, all the marketing. Uh, this you know, summer was basically driving, saying, "Hey, look this! You know, let this be you know, Summer Hills team and, and Atlanta's team, and move that." And uh, then to you know, kind of stub their toe in a major way 
Um, it certainly puts a damper on, on what should have been a, a pretty good afternoon. Yeah, and maybe some Ole Miss and Louisville fans who might have gotten in early made a weekend of it coming in here. Although with that game on Monday, I don't know exactly how much they they would get out of that. Um, again, we're speaking with Ben Moore from 247sports.com talking about the Georgia State win. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Georgia State lost to Army yesterday, the Black Knights, 44-10. to uh, Talking about uh, the, quarterback situ- the quarterback situation for Georgia State, uh, Brown did have a uh, – he was 12 for 20 yesterday, did have with, uh, for 120 yards. They only had a rushing touchdown. Um, how did his development look to you? Um, it, it was it was rough, it, you know, and, and and I'm sure Quad would talk about that post game as well. Um, his offensive line did not play well at all. Uh, they, the Panthers want to run the football. You know, when they're successful, they they can they can run inside, they can run outside, they can get um, their multiple backs uh, in space and operating that way. Destin Coach did have the touchdown, but he also right. had the costly fumble there in the first quarter, which you know just really really got the offense um, off track. Uh, specifically, but you know, Brown was you know he, he was sacked multiple times. Uh, you know, and a credit to Army's defensive coordinator Nate Woody for sending all kind of pressure from different angles, making it difficult for him. Um, and, and what's just so wild about that overall is is Nate Woody uh, is basically the mentor of Georgia State's defensive coordinator Nate Fuquay. They worked right. together uh, at Wofford. Wow, um, it's kind of the uh, the, the teacher versus the student, uh, you know, from that standpoint. So the defense was very familiar. To uh, you know, Claude, because that's what he's you know potentially seeing, seeing in practice on a normal basis. So um, he just struggled mightily. The offensive line struggled mightily. It just uh, quickly went downhill, and I think it's something where he'll look to rebound. Obviously, you know, versus a defense that you know, is going to be more athletic. Um, it's, it's not going to run you know necessarily so much base, but at the same point, they can turn the film on and say, hey, look, if we pressure this guy, good things are going to happen. So he's got to be ready to recognize that. Um, obviously, the offense needs to continue to rock and roll. And I think there were opportunities as well for Quad to run yesterday. And for whatever reason, it just did not happen. Um, didn't feel comfortable getting outside the pocket much. And um, I think that's got to be a big part of his game because that opens up the passing game as well. All right, speak, again, we're speaking yeah. with Ben Moore. Uh, Leon, I believe. I, I don't want to hog the yeah. conversation. Leon, do you have a question? Yes. Um, the part that really kind of bothered me about this game that this really caused for concern, and if I, I, I'm not even a member of the coaching staff, so I don't know if I'm concerned, they're deeply concerned. It's the fact that Georgia State returned 11 starters on defense. <laughs> On offense, offense they did. Oh, they oh, they excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 11, 11, they, they returned 11 stars on offense. They averaged 33 points a game last year. Yeah. So. And yet and still, they were, like, I'm, like when you're returning 11 starters, there has to be certain type of, it's actually like a certain type of chemistry. But yet and still, they can only produce one touchdown before halftime, and then the game just explodes. You know, right out the gates on third quarter after a turnover on downs. I I just don't. That that that's the part that's concerning me. That that's you know because you know in losses you can learn from losses, but mm, there there has to be some type of major adjustment that has to that, that has to be put in play in order for this season to be turned around properly. Because if I'm North Carolina and I'm looking at that tape and I'm licking my chops right now. Yeah, there's no question, but I, but I think something to, to keep in mind. I mean, Army was also the number one, you know, total defense in the nation last year, and that's not on accident. They're they're very well coached, uh, well disciplined, obviously um, organization there. Their front seven is very very solid. They're they're going to make a lot of teams look really really bad. Um, I think the biggest thing, and, and you know, something that I'm looking forward to uh, from the progression from week one to week two, obviously, is execution. You, you need to get rid of the false start penalties. You're playing at home. That's unacceptable. Uh, you you got to get rid of, you know, penalties from your senior offensive lineman who picked up an unsportsmanlike conduct because he's basically jawing or, or pushing guys after the whistle. That's another unacceptable thing that just simply cannot happen. Uh, it cost the Panthers in a major way last year, not yesterday. And I think that's, that's going to be Sean Elliott's message is these guys, some of these guys, um, that were making these mental errors and these, you know, mistakes are seniors. Um, and that they're the ones that have to set the tone for this program and have set the tone for the program. And quite honestly, some of these guys, why they came back, now, they will be boosted by the return of Sam Pinkney. He will be back. I have confirmed that. Um, Good. so he's, you know, he's an NFL caliber wide receiver. So you add him to the outside with Cornelius McCoy back inside, uh, have Josiah's Creedle, 
as I mentioned before, the UCF transfer um, there. And that's the toughest part about, you know, this, this whole COVID world is, you know, even if guys are vaccinated, which uh, Georgia State has a very strong percentage of guys that are vaccinated, the issue becomes if they do interact with, with the general student body um, and they do contract COVID, then it can potentially knock them out for a game. And that's what we saw yesterday. And as I, you know, I, I won't blame all of that. The margin was too big for that, but um, it certainly would have helped. And the margin would have been better. And, and you know, who knows, a couple, two or three plays would have gone a different direction. And, and you were talking, you said you saw a lot of college football yesterday, um, and I want to get into that a little bit. Um, sure. Especially the other game in Metro Atlanta also didn't go the home team's way. I'm talking about Northern Illinois coming down and beating Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech has got a game with Kennesaw State next week, and listening to the Kennesaw State boards on social media, that loss has got them so riled up. They think they got a shot next week. Uh, what did you take out of that Northern Illinois Georgia Tech loss for for the Yellow Jackets? Yeah, I think it's it's truly embarrassing at this point. Um, I think it's one of those scenarios as well. Uh, Jeff Collins and his entire staff. This is year three. Yeah, you know, but they they were preaching patience. They were preaching patience. Hey, we got to un- unwind. You know, this huge ball of uh, of string with uh, the, the triple option and this and that and the other. Um, you got basically punched in the mouth by a very, very average to below average Mac team. Um, so my question, I guess, is um, to your point, you know, Kennesaw State comes in with the triple option. They played in the spring, and I have been saying basically since February or March, beware of these FCS teams that actually played games in, in spring because they know about personnel. They know – you know, they played games this calendar year. They're going to be a little bit more comfortable with their calls. They're going to have a little bit more experience in that. And you've seen it. You've seen multiple FCS teams go in and beat FBS teams. I mean, you know, you, you, Vander, Vanderbilt, for goodness sake, got beat by 20 points at home by East Tennessee State. Yeah, I was hoping we could. That, for, I was hoping stuff, we. I was hoping we could forget about that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that can't happen. And, no. I mean, ultimately, that's that's a brand new head coach. Uh, you know, that's, yep. that's making his debut there. But yeah, I mean, you. you Tech is, is, is in a really, really desperate spot. Um, you can't lose the game to Kennesaw next week right? mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I will say this and, and not trying to be hyperbolic at all. Uh, Jeff Collins is going to lose his fan base completely with a, a home loss to Kennesaw State. They've obviously played FBS opponents very well and very strong and very close, including Georgia State. Or Georgia State, you know, had a, had a game-winning touchdown pass with under a minute left. Mm-hmm. Um, they're such a difficult offense to game plan for on short notice. So you're going to have to um, you know, obviously play well. Same thing, really, that Georgia State just messed up and, and you know, with fumbles and interceptions and things. Uh, Georgia Tech's offense looked awful. And, and, and depending on Jeff Sims' status, you know, I know he was injured and banged up in that game. There should be multiple guys that should be able to run that offense. And, and we heard all offseason about that Georgia Tech running game. It was going to be you know, one of the tops in the ACC. I, I didn't see it. And, and I'm looking at it and going, if you guys can't compete with a Northern Illinois or this Saturday can't compete, you know, with the Kennesaw State, how would are yeah. you going to go and compete with Clemson? Right, right, and that's the next Saturday? game. That's right after this. And, that's right after this one. Clemson, correct. huge and, and, in Death Valley. I mean, you're looking at and we'll and we can talk about the Clemson game too. But you know, Clemson now wants now has got some has got something to prove as well after what happened. No question. I mean, you know, Clemson, I mean, that's all they're going to be thinking about this week, obviously, is how to get their offense on track. Their defense was great last night against Georgia. Clemson, Clemson honestly, the, the defensive staff should not be upset, period. I mean, you basically, what, you, you, gave, up, you gave up basically a pick six. You know, uh, DJ, you know, threw, threw a pick six, basically. That was the only you know, you know, major, basically, blemish there from the touchdown side of things. So, both defenses in the Clemson-Georgia game. So, I mean, like, you know, you're looking at it and going, all right, their offense is going to get on track. Georgia Tech's defense is not Georgia's, not even close. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the struggle is, you know, Jeff Collins has been through these multiple cycles and selling the city and selling 404, this brand new culture that he's building. It's a culture of losing. <laughs> and that's something that, uh, and I will tell you, you know, from covering Georgia State's from practice number one, there's nothing that kills fan support faster than losing, especially at home. Especially the FCS teams, uh, especially teams that you, that you really should, if not, beat but at least play competitively um and that is that yeah you look at and you look at that it's going to be interesting because if we we're going at i mean 
You got the Kennesaw, then you got Clemson. So if you don't at least show the flag against against Kennesaw State, the, after Clemson is a game that really I think Jeff Collins is trying to showcase his team where he plays North Carolina in the Benz. And I think he's really looking at that particular game to really show off his squad. Uh, right now, if they are 0-3, which I you know, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, he's going to be showing him off and no one's going to be paying him a, a, a wit of attention. And that's going to be a horrible look if he goes into that facility to play UNC and there's and the and the fan atmosphere is just not there. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I mean, it wasn't a full building at Bobby Dodd yesterday, and, and I think the fans that obviously did show up for Northern Illinois, um, you know, had, had serious questions. I mean, I saw certainly some reaction whether it was last night and even this morning. You know, uh, you know, on the social media channels and different places like that, bounce around to the twenty four seven board over there, at Georgia Tech. Uh, it's very split. You have folks that says, "Hey, you know, we should be better," and they have. You know that they should. You know, hey, there are other people preaching patience. Um, patience runs out. You yeah. Know, basically, seventy-five percent plus of this roster belongs to Jeff Collins and his staff, and you know, you, you have to start winning, and especially in this day as well, you're going to see that recruiting momentum go backwards because there are programs in this state that win at a high level at the high school level. Um, you know, and they're just not going to go and show up and, and be. You know, when they're sold, hey, come help us win bowl games, help, help, help us win ACC championship games, when that's not the immediate future at all for this program right now. No, exactly. Where are the top recruits going? They're going to Alabama, they're going to Georgia, they're going to Clemson. That's it. And I think a lot of people, maybe a lot of people, Georgia Tech got hurt last night for the fact that their game was on opposite of, uh, of, of Georgia and Clemson. I think that might have hurt them a little bit, considering how hyped up that game was. Right. Yeah, they had a good they had a good recruiting turnout too. I mean, that, that, I saw you know, a lot of recruits piping off about you know about being at that game, and that's that's what really kind of gives you question and pause for these high level recruits. I'm in the building and seeing you guys look at Northern Illinois. Maybe I should be paying attention to Northern Illinois instead of Georgia Tech. Right. Again, we're on with Ben Moore from uh, Two Four Seven Sports. Uh, Daniel, we've ignored you, and I really apologize for that. Daniel, I think you're up. Do uh, you got a question? Comment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a really much, really pretty much a comment. I've been listening uh, in. Of course, I was just now coming in. So, um, Ben, thanks for having, thanks for coming on the show. Of course, as usual. Uh, I, I want to kind of talk about the ACC. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not the one that's going to be uh, light on them. I, I think they were god awful this weekend. Um, even when you add in the fact that, yeah, Army, well, not Georgia State Army. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Georgia Tech, Northern Illinois, it's embarrassing, like Ben mentioned. But then you have Duke losing to Charlotte. And I know Duke is not a, a, you know, a powerhouse team, but they're still an SBS team with quality, with more of a quality kind of recruiting class than Charlotte would have. Well, Charlotte's a, Charlotte's a, P, Charlotte's a group of five, aren't they? Charlotte is FBS. Or, yeah, yeah. They're, they're group of five. They're, they're Conference USA. Okay. Yeah. They're yeah. Conference USA, but they were but they were favorites to win that game. Duke was, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, they were favorites to win. Duke loses. And and we talk about the top three teams who only scored a, a grand total of twenty six points between each other. Now, Miami, okay, they played Alabama. And that's just to let you guys know, Alabama's not coming. They are they were they've already been there. So we understand. We understand what that was. I thought that they had a, a, a. I thought it was a poor performance. But when you look at Clemson, and we already know what the ACC is, right? The ACC is Clemson and then everybody else. But Clemson, Clemson got work to do. They got some work to do. Their defense is, is tremendous. They look great. But then at the same time, Georgia, they, I, I don't think I don't think they let loose on JT Daniels. I think that they were they're covering him too much. It was too many too many zero to fifteen yard passes. They didn't let him go deep downfield like they like I needed them to let him go downfield. The pick six, yes, was the difference as Ben mentioned, and and Georgia's defense is getting at it. I mean, seven sacks. And, and that either tells me that tells me one or two things. Either Georgia's front seven is that good. Or that defense is that good, or Clemson's offensive line needs help and they need work. It, it, it's either one of the two, so we will see. But Clemson is head of the table of the ACC, and this loss hurts them because all the other losses around them hurt them. 
North Carolina, yes, they played Virginia Tech, but North Carolina, to a lot of, in a lot of people's eyes, was, was picked up play them in the ACC championship game. I think and they we, were only and they only put up 10 points. I I think two, I have two points. Uh the first mm-hmm. one the first one is I don't think any of us expected that Georgia Clemson game to feature no offensive touchdowns. Oh no. No, no no, no. question. And no. and second no. of all, there were some good in ACC outings, but Daniel, the higher profile teams all laid eggs. There wasn't yes. one high-profile ACC team that did well. I mean, North Carolina they were, State. They were three top ten, they were three top ten teams that are ranked in the ACC. And they all lost. Miami, North Carolina, and Clemson. And they all lost. And they all they all did not look good offensively. Right. NC, NC State had a big win. BC had a big win. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh had a big win. Virginia crushed William & Mary. So they had a big win, and very, I'm surprised Virginia is, has been a little bit down. So there, and we, and of course we do have two more teams left. We, well, we've got that uh, F Florida State North and Notre Dame, technically a conference game, sort of. That's a little later on tonight. That's what Daniel's getting ready for. And tomorrow night, of course, Louisville and Ole Miss. So they have one more shot on a national stage to perform. Louisville has to do well against Ole Miss. Right now, the entire conference is riding on the Louisville Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with I, that. I, I, I'm not sure I, would, I place too over uh, too much hope on Louisville. I, I think Ole Miss is a, is a ten point favorite in that game, if I recall correctly. So, um, here's what I will say: I think it's, um, and I agree with some of your points there specifically. I mean, it is Clemson and everybody else. I mean, there's there's a dramatic drop there. Even we've seen it with Notre Dame. Um, but you know, no, I, I think you saw the t- two of the best defensive lines in America last night in Clemson's. Uh, you know, defensive line and Georgia's defensive line, they're going to make a lot of teams look really, really bad. Uh, you know, you're going to start seeing that uh, beginning this weekend. Georgia's plays UAB, and they're going to completely dismantle them. Uh, they're going to dismantle most most of the teams they play. I would be stunned if you didn't start hearing tomorrow or Tuesday, basically, that Georgia is going to obviously be a lock, uh, you know, a betting odd favorite to make not only the SEC championship game, but obviously face out Bama and win or loss win or lose in that game, they may have a spot in the college football playoffs just because of basically with that resume win. Um, conversely, I don't think Clemson has a loss on their schedule. Uh, as you mentioned, North Carolina did not look good. Um, we also see in week one sometimes that the offenses are that much farther behind than the defense. So I'm interested to see, obviously, how those programs respond this week and then you know, the rest of this month and moving forward. But, um, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, I wasn't shocked by Miami at all. Everyone keeps trying to push them up and say Miami's back, um, not against Alabama, and they better be careful this weekend against App State at home. Yeah. That's, that's oh, yeah, that right. is a huge that is a huge that's trap a game. Yeah. That is a huge trap game. Uh, Leon, we haven't heard from you lately. Well, my thing is I'm I was still kind of hung up on it. I was still kind of hung up on the Georgia State thing. Um, in reference to the loss that Clemson suffered at the hands of Georgia, how far do you think it's going to that, that those things into the rigors? Clemson, well, I believe, is number three. Georgia, Georgia is number five. Yes. Will they just switch spots? Like you know, we're, like we're, we're just going to go as far as the rigors or something? Like, well, even though Clemson lost. Do you think this kind of ruined their national title hopes? Like, will they hold that against them? You know? No, I don't, I don't think they will at all. I mean, no. I, I, I don't see another loss on the schedule. They'll be favored in every game they play the rest of the way. And I, I think, also they cruise to the ACC title game. I mean, something we got to consider as well is, is this was DJ Ugalele, uh basically second career start. So it's not like he's, you know, he's a guy that's been there a three-year starter like Trevor Lawrence was last year. So uh, you're going to have – uh, DJ, get things figured out. You're going to have some of those skilled guys figured out, and you're going to, you know, find find room uh, with teams. And, and honestly, two of the best, uh, you know, play callers and guys that are going to get guys fired up in Dabo and, and obviously his offensive staff as well. So I think they're going to be rocking and rolling and ready to go. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, week three they got Jordan Tech, so um, you know you, you can get healthy there pretty quickly. <laughs> that is for that is definitely for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, again, we're talking with 247 Sports' Ben Moore regarding the co- week in college football. Ben, we've been uh, discussing uh, pretty much Georgia-oriented sport-oriented teams, the Bulldogs, the Jackets, and the Panthers. Was there any other national game that that gave you any interest or that you thought was interesting or, or anything along those lines? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was a lot of great games certainly in week one. We've seen, you know, the Big Ten and wanted to see some games there. Um, you know, I, I was interested to see, obviously, um, how Ohio State looked, um, you know, having having a freshman quarterback their own their own right. Um, you know, I think defensively they, they came out a little bit sluggish, and, and Minnesota uh, certainly handed it to them and gave them a game. Um, I think Tulane was absolutely robbed yesterday uh, against Oklahoma. You know, had that, kind of, yeah. you know, had, had a you know, kind of a 50-50 pass interference call there, and uh, you know, we I think the second you know second ranked team in the country certainly got a enormous gift uh, as well. And, and a credit to Tulane and Willie Fritz and that staff for getting those guys that ready to play. We know obviously about the circumstances down there in New Orleans with Hurricane Ida, forcing them to evacuate. That game was supposed to be played there in Yulman Stadium in New Orleans and uh, was moved up to, uh, you know, to Oklahoma. So uh, enormous credit to Tulane. They should be, you know, feeling confident. You know, there's certainly no moral victories, but certainly confident about going in and, and punching the number two team in the mouth for you know, pretty much 38, uh, you know, 40 minutes of that game. So, um, you know, was interested to see that. You know, I'm always paying attention to the Sun Belt. You know, get to get to cover that uh, week in and week out and, uh, there were some big opportunities for some both teams. And quite honestly, it was a pretty mediocre weekend for the entire league. Uh, Georgia Southern almost lost to Gardner-Webb. Uh, they basically needed, you know, multiple defensive stops to escape, you know, from the, bull- the running Bulldogs there. The FCS ranks, um, you know, Texas and, and Louisiana um, was a big game in Austin. And uh, I thought, you know, the Cajuns would fare a little bit better uh, there. But, you know, certainly Steve Sarkeesian got the, uh, the Texas Longhorns going. Um, and uh, it- interested to see how things you know, progress this weekend. Um, I, I did check out the uh, the opening betting lines for those who follow gambling trends. Um, Coastal Carolina is opening as a 27-point favorite on Power 5 Kansas Jayhawks. Whew. Incredible. That is. That is. Yeah. That is. All right, uh, Ben, we're probably going to have to leave it there. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here unless you guys do a podcast, and we'll probably uh, touch base with you Later on in this regular season, thanks so much for bringing the knowledge, and uh, hopefully the Panthers can get things turned around. We'll and maybe we'll see some signs of life this weekend over at Chapel Hill. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate you having me. All right, thanks, Ben. Thanks. That was Ben. Right, ben. Appreciate it. That was Ben Moore from 247sports.com joining us, talking a little college football again. It's week one in the nation, and we had a lot of great games on tap. Unfortunately, Georgia teams lost some of them, Tech and Georgia State, of course, Tech with that loss to Northern Illinois. And now that I've got Daniel and Leon on, let's talk a little bit about what we saw Thursday night over in Kennesaw State. Reinhardt giving the Owls all they can handle and then some 35-25, but they couldn't hang on. 35-25 was the final score of that one. Only a 10-point loss, guys. Uh, again, I think Reinhardt did a great job hanging with the Owls. Again, that is a team that they've got everything on their side. They had a great student section. They had great fans over there. Just the fact that we only lost by 10 points, I think that's amazing and that we showed a lot. And once we get into conference play starting this week, I think we gotta, we're going to show people show people a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I think so too, especially with, with Billy Hall. I, I thought Billy Hall played well. Uh, him and that, him and that, uh, Navari Solomon connection is, is going to be, it's going to be something terrible on the entire NAIA. Whoever they come up with, they're going to have to have somebody to match up with him. Kennesaw State had a hard time, uh, containing him and, and what they were able to do. And they, 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 they were on and off with Billy Hall. I thought Billy Hall played extremely well, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but. It was a 35-25 game. And the whole thing that you and I and you, me, and Leon saw was the miscues. I mean, the miscues separates the entire game. You had two missed extra points. Uh, You had an an interception, a great interception that was thrown by Billy Hall that was caught by the Kennesaw State defender. That was a great interception. Uh, You had – but I think the turnaround of the game and what actually put the game out of reach was right before halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a, a an illegal block in the back call, and we thought that that was not the case uh, because uh, he was blocked was into him. him. It was he blocked into him. Yeah. Right. It was uh, Dylan Kelly. It was Dylan Kelly. Dylan Kelly was blocked into the man. Solomon had the first down, and they called it a, an illegal chop block. 
Yeah. So the man was blocked into him, and, and that was actually a blindside uh, push or whatnot. So that could have resulted in some sort of penalty or whatnot. So, I mean, it was just a bunch of things, those, those little things. And then you got the personal foul penalties. Uh, they, they let Kennesaw get to him, mm-hmm. get into their heads a little bit, and they didn't keep calm and they didn't stay patient. They didn't remember that they had the nothing to lose and everything to gain. Well, is one of the, that's if, what the whole thing. If you're playing at a at a place like Kennesaw State, a great a great school, uh, you know, maybe not a more of a tradition oriented school, but certainly developing their own, you have to play perfect football. And in the end, mm-hmm. and in the end, they didn't. You're not going to get away with some of the mistakes that you could possibly gain playing uh, next week against Warner. You know, I mean, I don't think we're going to get – you can't see that. And they didn't play perfect. Uh, they did make those They did make those mistakes, and the fact is they almost overcame them. And, again, with that Dylan Kelly, that led directly to Kennesaw's final touchdown of the first half. That was that led exactly to it, and of course James Hardy missed a couple of extra points. He was kicking into the Kennesaw State fans. I don't think he's ever done that before. Didn't wasn't used to it. When he kicked the other side, he was perfect. And then they had that two point conversion because of those missed uh, extra points that was failed as well. So again, you got you got to play perfect football. They didn't, but at least a lot of the things are workable especially the procedure the procedure penalties but again we had just way too many personal foul calls uh way too many 15 yard penalties you can't have you can't have that against Kennesaw State really against anybody yeah because that's that's going to beat you up anyway so yeah but uh, all in all I, I I we we saw a pretty good game oh we saw a great it wasn't game. like it was a blowout or anything no. like that that thing was close that was closer than what most folks think, especially when you actually turn on the TV or you turn it on ESPN Plus or however you watch the, the stream Thursday. Mm-hmm. When you turn that game on and you look at it, and you look at it from the start to finish, and you'll be like, "Wow!" It, it'll it'll give you the illusion that Kennesaw State didn't play well, but they did. No, they played. Kennesaw State played well. They played great, they played even great. with the even with a backup quarterback, even when Xavier Shepard yeah. came in for Jonathan Murphy. They that they we, came in and, and did his thing. Yeah, yeah we thought we thing. we and, thought they would lose a step. They didn't. They actually probably gained one. Yeah, not to say that there's going to be a quarterback controversy, but no, uh, Shepard came in and did his job. He did what he was supposed to do, and that's what it was there. Uh, the run game for Kennesaw State and Georgia Tech better watch out because Kennesaw State's run game and their option is something to not to snuff it. No. So I, I think that they better be careful here. And speaking of Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins is officially on the hot seat. Oh, no question, no question after that one because you're looking at yeah. you're looking at what his schedule looks like. If I mean he could ease he could easily be one and three heading out of that North Carolina game. I mean the schedule makers did him no favors putting the two toughest teams he's going to face right at the top. Uh, yeah. Clemson and North Carolina, those are probably the, tw- the two tough ones, and they're right at the top. And, of course, North Carolina, you're getting that national uh, exposure playing in Mercedes-Benz. Uh, you, do, you do have Notre Dame and Georgia, but that's not till the end. Everything will be set up. Everything will be finalized once we get to those two. But it's not – I mean, it's just not going to be a good look, especially if he loses against Kennesaw State. But, again, Kennesaw State, they run, they run that triple option. That's almost about as – like what Georgia Tech was, and then any team they're gonna, any team they're gonna find, any team they're gonna see, in terms of what they were. I mean, they're trying to diversify. They're trying to move the offense into the 21st century, and here comes Kennesaw State with that triple option, which is dangerous because you because Murphy so good at holding on to it to the last second, so good at letting getting that defensive lineman to commit to blocking him and then shooting it out to the to the tailing running back and the tailing running back will gash six seven eight ten yards i mean they burned they right. burned Kenneth, they burned uh, reinhardt to death with that particular play uh you know you're just he's holding on to it to the last second you got and you got to be fearless to do that because you know the the hit's coming but still you just get it out of there right in the middle right when you have to and boom you're you they they got some uh, they got some uh, good Yards, but again, Georgia Tech's got athletes that Reinhardt doesn't. Probably going to be a little faster on the edges. Probably going to be yeah. a little, a, 
hard blockers. They're going to stay with you. So again, it's it's like that. It's like that step up we were talking about. Um, that step up from Reinhardt to Kennesaw. Now Kennesaw's got to face that step up by going to Georgia Tech. I think it'll be an exciting game. It's just the problem is we're not going to be able to watch it because we're going to be on the roof over at Ken White Field, 12 o'clock, 11.30 for our pregame. Reinhardt hosting the Warner Royals. Interesting note for Warner. They are 0-1. They lost to Stetson University uh, on, the, on Saturday, but that game was actually at Warner. They did not play that game on the campus of Stetson. Stetson went to Warner. Not sure if there's an issue with Stetson's field against Stetson in, I think they're in the A-Sun. Um, they are. Yeah, they are. they're in the That's A-Sun. Correct. So Kennesaw State actually will be playing them next season. So I think it's just interesting that they did go to an NAI school. But we'll be hosting the Warner Royals in at Ken White Field tomorrow, uh, next Saturday, the 11th at 11 o'clock. At 11.30 for our pregame, 12 o'clock for the first kick. So, uh, Daniel, you've got Florida State, Notre Dame. You're really looking forward to that. What do you want to see? It's, it's, it's one of those interesting games because the Seminoles are going to be so hopped up on emotion. It's their first game since, uh, Bobby, Bo- since Bobby Bowden passed. They've put the, uh, they've put the, the um, ornamentation on the field. I believe there's like a silhouette of his, of his Panama hat. That's on there. That's already on Doe Campbell. So it's going to be in the, that whole game is going to be a celebration of Bobby of Bobby Bowden. How do you think? What do you see as the keys in this Florida State Notre Dame matchup? Well, a, a couple things. Probably a lot of things. I think first and foremost, how are they going to come out on that first series? Because the last few home openers and the last few openers that I've seen. Florida State has had a hard time getting off the blocks. And whenever they get behind, it's hard for them to catch up, okay? So we have to see that. Um, two important things that I'm willing to see, uh, the quarterback situation. Mackenzie Milton, uh, who was a success story, if you guys don't remember, Mackenzie Milton was the kid who played at Central Florida and had that horrific leg injury. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about the leg injury as bad as uh, Dak Prescott's. Okay. And I remember sitting there watching that game. Central Florida had a great team that year. Scott Frost, Leon's man, uh, was the one who he was coaching that team at the time when he had went down with that injury. And I'm talking about a catastrophic injury. We didn't think that he was going to uh, ever play again, but yet he gets this opportunity. He's in his sixth year, so he, he was granted an extra year of, of eligibility. Wondering how he's going to do that along with Jordan Francis, who is our dynamic running quarterback. If they're going to use that two-quarterback system, kind of bring him in, kind of bring like some dynamics into the group. Uh, of course, the, we're always – who's the next great running back? Who's right. the next Cam Akers? Uh, who uh, – you know, just who who's the next Dalvin Cook? Like who's going to be the guy that we're going to hand that ball off to? But more importantly, it's that offensive line. For the last seven years, we have struggled to keep our quarterbacks up. And I I need to see if our line is ready to protect, if they're ready to open up holes, what are they ready to do? Are we ready to do this? My expectations of Florida State, as far as the season goes, a lot of people saying that they're going to get six wins. I just want to see if there's a significant improvement in the program. That's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. Is there a significant improvement? Is Mike Norvell ready to turn the corner? And he might not be ready to do it this year. We might not get the six wins. We might not get the, the seven or eight wins. But I need to see that we can compete and that we cannot be the same sloppy, undisciplined football team that we've put out here these last four years. Yeah. It's, it's time to turn that corner. Mm-hmm. Florida State, when we talk about college football, Florida State's name is involved in it, and it hasn't been involved. It has been irrelevant, and the relevancy has to come back. Well, that to do we that, have to turn this thing around. To do that, they have to get to the ACC title game, and right. That's and of course we know who's going to be either at that ACC title game, Clemson. So again, it just comes down to like it does in the SEC. You, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And that means Al- and exactly. the SEC, that means Alabama. And the ACC, that means Clemson. Uh, yes. 
Daniel, you mentioned in your in your remarks about Milton how he has suffered a Dak Prescott injury. That's a great segue because Leon Dak Prescott is coming back on Thursday night as the NFL starts in that Tampa with Tampa Bay. Now, of course, it's going to be a Tampa Bay love fest with Tom Brady, all 22 players uh, starters from last year's Super Bowl team coming back. But again, you got Des- Dak Prescott who has got a lot to prove this particular season. What do you? How do you? How do you see? your man Dak handling this game? Well, they have the best chance of ever to coming out victorious. You know, they're coming out, you know, there's a lot of people on the, on Dallas. You have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Ezekiel Elliott has not been the same since he received that 90 million, 50 million for that 90 minute contract with 50 million guaranteed. Right. Right. It's like he, he's just packed it in. Mm-hmm. We haven't really, got a great dose of Dak the whole preseason because he has a significant injury that Dallas is pretty much, you know, keeping him on the back burner until, you know, until the game, until game one. So, and is CD lamb going to be the next Michael Irvin? He's got Michael's number. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Pretty much. So they have a lot going, they, you know, Dallas essentially has all the tools on offense. Mm-hmm. It's all about, you know, can they actually put those tools and have them, you know, do, do they have the chemistry? They have the tools, but do they have the chemistry? And and how much of that is Dak not being with the team last season? Now that Dak's with the team, he's got to get into Ezekiel Elliott's face and get him game ready. He's got to force him to get his head into into things. Can Is Dak up to that task? At the end of the day, I mean, Dak, can, Dak, he can motivate Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott, but it's up to Ezekiel Elliott to want to well, have him keep himself motivated. You know, I mean, Dak has a lot on his plate. You know, he has I think Dak, a significant injury that he has to overcome. And he's got you a know, he's it, got he's got a lot to prove. I think Leon because he's still looking for that max contract. I mean, Zeke got his money. I think Dak is still looking for his, so he knows that no, this. Dak got his. Oh, Dak got Dak his. Got oh, his. he did get his. I'm sorry, I, my apologies. Yeah, he got his. Dak got his money. But he still so has. Now, so now he has to prove it. That, John, did you bring that up? Yeah. Now he needs to prove that he's worth that money now. Right. Right. And not do what Ezekiel did. You know, yeah, not right. pack it, not pack it in, saying, "Okay, I officially don't care." He's got to. He's I mean, he's got the money. Now he's got to back it up, and right. uh, and that is his that is his big concern. And we all know that the NFC East is there for the taking. Uh, a team that will that is at least mediocre will will win this one. And I don't see how it. You know, Dallas has got every, every right to it as anybody else. I think Dallas is probably if Dak is motivated, if he can get Ezekiel on board, I think the Cowboys will easily win the NFC East. I don't I mean Philadelphia has gone into full rebuilding mode. Washington yes. is Washington is Washington. The Giants are just one giant question mark with Saquon Barkley. Um so so you know if the if he's motivated, he's got the East. Whether or not that'll translate into further reward further wins in the playoffs that's what Dak has got to worry about it's not so much getting to the playoffs he's got to win in the playoffs and that will solidify uh his standing and he'll just probably give him a, a lot of confidence and justification heading into heading into the next stage of his career absolutely go ahead Daniel. The, the dallas the dallas cowboys are the favorites in the east no question unless two things happen unless two things happen one, barring injuries or whatnot, and, yeah. and Dak Prescott plays as well as he get because, I mean, face it, he's the best quarterback in the division. Yep. So, I mean, you, you have to go by that. And number two, if Washington don't look into getting Cam Newton. Okay. Because if they don't – if they get Cam Newton and he's the starting quarterback, nothing against Ryan Fitzpatrick. We'll have to see how he does in an entire season leading the way. But – Cam Newton is a proven winner in this league. If they don't look into getting Cam Newton with that defense that they have, they have the top five defense. Forget about in the NFC East. In the entire NFL, they have a top three defense. And the defensive line is the best in the league. 
if Washington can get Cam Newton and he's the starter, then it's the Washington football team that repeats as divisional champion mm-hmm. in that. But right now, the Dallas Cowboys have to be the they, – they are the favorite. They are the slight favorite. And then you've got Washington next. Uh, like you said, John, the Giants are a big question mark. Uh, a lot, I hear a lot of people saying, watch them. They're going to be okay. And Philadelphia, I just don't believe in them right now. Look, uh, I think I, Philadelphia I, is – I, I think they're in full rebuild mode. I think they're looking at Jalen Hurts yeah. saying, is this, the, is this our guy? Remember, Carson Wentz, gone. So it's Jalen Hurts who's, who's going to be take, giving the keys to that. And it's just a matter of, okay, is this our guy? And he's going to have to show them something this season to justify their faith. If not, it's a top five pick next year, and they're looking to grab JT Daniels or whatever quarterback comes out. Right. Yeah. I, I got to <laughs> I got to ask a question, though. Mm-hmm. So, is it ever... You know, okay, I, I want to see What the heck happened in this, um, last week? With with Cam Newton being let go by the Patriots in favor of Mac Jones? What? what? Yeah. I, okay, yeah. so... Uh, okay, I, I, was, I was trying to... Because, you know, the media... You, I, I've never seen... Anybody try to justify? I mean, it's, it's been story after story on why they let Cam Newton go. I mean, they're trying, they're trying to explain it. Yeah, it's very it's variations of COVID of of they didn't they they want to give it to Mac Jones. They thought he had he had the better I don't know gives them a better chance to win. I you know I really don't know. I don't think anybody really knows what's going on Man, in Bill I, Belichick's I, I, head. I pay close attention to that situation. I, I have articles after articles of you would think you, you you would think this is 1947. The way that New that the the way that the media in New England was dumping on Cam Newton. Okay. I mean, you, you would think you were you would think you're in the 40s. I mean, I, I've read I've I've read an article in which it was a former New England player. I believe he was a quarterback. Was was ranting about the type of music Cam Newton was listening to. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember hearing about that. I remember that. It was yeah. I do. I, was yeah, it was I, it a court? Was it a quarterback or was it a teammate? This might have been. He was a former. He, he's he's now a part of the Boston media. I believe he has a radio station in in um, the okay. Boston area. Was it Tony Eason? Was it Eason? No, last name starts with an S. Oh, uh, so S. Because uh, be. even though New England, even though the Patriots, you you can list the Patriots. The Patriots always had dynasties of quarterbacks. I mean, Steve Grogan for 10 years. Um, and, of course, Brady, Tony Eason, Tony Eason Drew Bledsoe. Bledsoe. Bledsoe came, yeah, Bledsoe came before Brady and then Brady for the yeah. last and then Yeah, so like I said, the, uh, yeah. Joe, uh, what was his name? Joe, uh, Not Vince Ferragamo. Um there was another one, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean, there's really only a handful of quarterbacks who have played for the New England Patriots, and I'm going to look that up right now. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. He- I did hear about that. Um, it's yeah, just I weird. Guys, I, I, I sent you guys an article. Yes, you did. Yes, yes you did, Leon. Yeah, I remember you did. that. You did. Listen, I, I'm with you, Leon. I I just I don't understand. Listen, I, I don't question anybody's organizational moves, but if you were going to cut Cam Newton, you could have done that two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Instead, yeah. have everybody thinking, and look, Matt Jones, he played well. Okay, that's fine. It, I, I get it. He played well. Okay, he played well enough to get the starting job. But to do Cam Newton the way that you did, so basically what you're saying is that you trust Brian Hoyer to be your uh, backup quarterback or Jared Stidham, or whoever, if Stidham is still there, you trust those three guys to be your guy. And you were so gun hold on Matt Jones that the one guy that could threaten Matt Jones' stardom or his potential stardom is Cam Newton. Yeah. A three-time pro A three-time, but yeah. Four-time, four playoff appearances. League MVP. Led team Super Bowl nearly went undefeated. 
I mean, is this a meritocracy? Is is the is the football field truly a it, meritocracy? It was Scott Zolak, Leon. Zolak. Scott Zolak. It was yeah. Scott Zolak because I'm looking at I'm looking at because the the Steve Grogan era ended in 1989. Drew Bledsoe didn't come aboard until '93. And so for about three seasons, there was about a quarterback rotation as they figured out how to get there. Zolak was there. Hugh Millen got a bunch of starts in that area, too. And then finally Bledsoe yeah. took over in 93. So it was those three, three years in the early 90s. Yeah, Scott Zolak was, yeah. is the name. Guys, I read, a, I, read a, um, I read an article in Reddit, all right? And this right here was 11 days ago. And this is says, says there is no on-field reason for Newton to ever take a meaningful regular season snap for the Patriots while Mac Jones is upright. This is 11 days ago, guys. Yes. And Abel, the conversation of Jones for the past three weeks has my estimation put to bed all debate about who is the better quarterback for the Patriots in 2021. This is based on no in-game, no season evidence. Right. And this one here was just one of the articles. That the New England area was putting out about county. I mean, they was like, Yo, we spent $120 million on free agents. We have we have quality um, tight ends, quality wide receivers. We have people returning. Why do we need Cam Newton on the field now? Right. I'm like, what? I, I, I don't what, what, okay, what is 1941? Of course, you know what I mean? You you have this man on the field because now that you last year, the Patriots led the league at opt-outs. They led the league in opt-outs. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton was playing with a skeleton crew and caught COVID and managed to win and still managed to win seven games and was um, a touchdown play away from getting to the playoffs by beating Seattle. And it's another team they would have beat if we got to the playoffs. So they so lost about know. four games. They lost about four games close. close. And, and so that's what you that's what you're saying there. That so it would have been instead of seven and nine, maybe eleven and five. So Man. and 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 this year coming into it, uh, I, I had them second behind Buffalo. Buffalo, listen, Buffalo bringing everybody back, okay? And and Buffalo just Buffalo's going to have that division as long as Josh Allen and the rest of that squad and they, and they keep building around him and that defense is there. That's no question. Right. Buffalo's going to win that division again, and they might this time they might win it, and it ain't going to be even close. Right. It's not going to be. It's going to be like our division, basically, like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is going to win this, our division, and it's not going to be close. So it it's now become that the Patriots to me are behind the Dolphins now. Because I don't I, I I don't see it in Matt Jones. Look, Matt Jones was great at Alabama. Let's not discredit him, okay? But not yet, I just don't see it. He's one of he's not one of the three generational talents that we saw. Now, and, Trevor Lawrence, and, and, Kyle Pitts, and Penny Sewell are the three guys in this draft that are generational talent. They can get on the field and they can turn a franchise around. Now, listen, Jacksonville is not going to win twelve games because their defense needs help. Okay, and they lost it. Trevor Lawrence, you're going to ask him to, to 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 score five, six touchdowns a game. All right, that's fine. But I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that Trevor Lawrence, when we look at him, yo. This guy's got the it factor. But Mac Jones, I just don't see it yet. I don't see it. Right. I don't I see, see it. Ten years and, and he will, yeah. I see 10 year starter in Trevor in Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> mm-hmm. I see 10 year starter. I don't when it comes to because we just haven't seen it. He he played with the second unit the whole preseason. He took, you know, understand understand he had a second he had a second unit offensive line. But he was also facing a second unit defense when he played against the Giants and took four sacks. That that kind of like, you know, after that game, I like, okay, this is even though I, I kind of knew that, okay, they, they're gonna go with Cam anyway, but you know, like for I guess for, you know, for giggles, you know, okay. But it, it was Baker Mayfield, when Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield were were, were battling out for the starting position in Cleveland. It was no question that Tyrod Taylor, because he's the, the veteran quarterback, was going to start the season. When Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick were battling for – well, of course, they weren't battling because Tua was hurt. He, you know, he's come off of a catastrophic Bo Jackson-like injury at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he came in, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has 
proven that he really can't, you know, steer a ship to the promised land. You know, he's been in the league for over, for, you know, for over 10 years. You know, he, he, he had one good time at Buffalo where he got a little bit of money. Other than that, he's pretty much been a quality. He's, he's a quality backup. And I, I, I respect that. Yeah. But when I see someone, something like, you know, like comp, like quarterback competition where your your merit earns you, you know, the position, it's like the New England, the, new, the, the fan base, they didn't want Cam Newton up there. They just didn't want him up there. No. They don't care what, they're like, oh, we don't care how good he is. We don't want him, those, in, in, in his personality and the way he goes about, I mean, they were talking about the music he's listening to. I mean, they were getting petty with it. Right. I mean, every yeah, I, I thought that was just sad. Well, come I, on. Just, uh, even in Carol, even in Carolina, he would sometimes dress like he was a Batman villain. I mean, and they, <laughs> yeah. and they, and, and, yeah, and that did and look. Let's be honest. New England has a horrible, horrible reputation with uh, with the, with African American athletes, and it's in the media more than anything else. Whether or not the yeah. media is reflective of that, I mean, the Celtics. The Celtics kind of get away with it only simply because they win. They they're so they win. I mean, Bill Russell. I mean, they burnt Casey Jones. Down. Yeah, they burnt Bill Russell's house down. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. so that's. I mean, yeah. That that, that's what. So that's that's the issue there, and that's that's the issue, guys. Uh, we we're about ready to get to the end of the show, but I just wanted okay. to say one little thing uh, because Daniel wanted to talk about this, and we didn't get to it, but we're gonna. Give it like a give like a three minute uh three minute spiel about it right now. ESPN got catfished. They put a school on the air that doesn't exist. Bishop Sycamore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bishop Sycamore <laughs> was playing against IMG Academy. They lost fifty eight nothing. This, but had they done their due diligence, ESPN would have realized that this school does not exist it was a it's a clearinghouse for juco athletes nai trying to get that one last shot daniel what do you how much of a black mark does espn get from this uh that i think more so bishop sycamore gets it uh but but espn does get a black mark because they didn't do their research right it's simple as that day but shame on everybody who who was behind this with the exception of img uh, img they're just scheduled to play teams, right? Right. That, that's that's a, it. Yeah. And and that's what it was, and that's what, what they were expected. I mean, you got these twenty, thirty year old guys coming out here playing, but these guys are are still smaller than these sixteen, seventeen year olds you're playing up against in IG Academy. And, and whoever saw the game, because I didn't see it, but whoever saw the game probably clearly saw how outmatched. Uh, Bishop Sycamore was, and probably should have just stopped the game mm-hmm. because so, uh, the I think it was Elise Schroff who was on the call, if I'm not mistaken, and I may be wrong about that, but I check again. But he he may have been the one that was on the call of that game, and what happened was he, he said something that that interests me, that 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 just and I thought that it was nice and that it was good that he said it that. He mentioned that Bishop Sycamore has no a list of zero five star recruits. Right, zero, none, zilch. In fact, there might not even be any star recruits <laughs> on that team. A couple of negative recruits, <laughs> and, and it's, it's probably a negative three on yeah. that team. But the main thing is that guys, they could have been killed out there. Mm-hmm. They, they, somebody could have seriously got hurt out there. Because you're taking on a team that is well-skilled. Well, man, this is what IMG Academy does. It's a factory. <laughs> really, it's a factory. It's a factory, yeah. And, yeah. and it's two, and two things. First of all, this is Bishop Sycamore. They actually played Friday night. So here they are on two days yeah. rest. No one does that. No one does that. And also, no and also ESPN actually did not make, up the, make the matchups. They, they outsourced it to a marketing group. This group called yes. Paragon Marketing, they were the ones who found the team. So so apparently, and I think this is ESPN's way of trying to pass the buck a little bit. But, that I mean, yeah, they were the ones who got, who got uh, hosed by all this. And they're, getting, and they're getting tossed under the bus. 
So it's it's just a fun it's just a funny situation all the way around, and I think it really does kind of pull, play into we have to be careful with who we put on there. We got to do the due diligence, and we got to make sure that nobody nobody gets hurt because there because some people will do a lot for that last gasp opportunity, and that's that's what this Bishop Sycamore was. I hope. I hope some some good comes out of this. I hope this organization gets shut down or at least is forced to comply with the Ohio High School Association, gets back into compliance, becomes a real a real brick-and-mortar school, although I don't think they are. They, it looks like they're fake. And I just hope something comes out of this, and I hope ESPN does its due diligence next year when it, when it sets up these high school matchups trying to avoid the IMG academies, even though I don't think you can, but there are certain academies that have a better reputation. Finley Prep, a basketball a basketball factory down in Las Vegas, um, you know, that's another organization kind of comes to mind. So they have to really, really buckle down and just, just stop – with the uh, not checking and not checking everything, they, as you said, they got to do they got to do the diligence, and if they can't do it, find someone to, to do it because they're just looking terrible right now, and we're going to hear more about this story as it unfolds throughout the fall. All right, I want to thank Ben Moore from Two Four Seven Sports for joining us and talking Georgia State football. I want to thank Leon and Daniel again. You can see us on Saturday from the roof at Ken White Field. Reinhardt Eagles taking on the Warner Royals. Eleven thirty pregame, twelve o'clock for kickoff. Really looking forward to that one. And then we'll be back here on Sunday for another installment of the last three guys to do a podcast. NFL Week One. We'll see who comes out on top in those first games. And of course, if you want to catch a replay of this again, it'll come out on Tuesday. All your favorite. Uh, podcast streaming platforms itunes soundcloud and spotify will all be there so thank you so much we'll see you in seven days this has been the last three guys to do a podcast